0: Welcome to CORE 242 Podcast, brought to you by CORE Community Covenant Church. Now let's dive into the Word of God with Pastor Max and Pastor Trish. God bless you and thank you so much for joining us today as we continue our sermon series on spiritual gifts. Last week we started it with the gifts of apostleship and evangelism. Today we're going to continue with gifts of pastoring, and teaching. Uh, before I even start anything, just always always have to remind remind those who are listening that these are spiritual gifts and they can only come through the Holy Spirit. And for us to have the Holy Spirit, we need to have a relationship with God through his Son Jesus Christ, realizing that He is our Lord, acknowledging that He is our Lord and Savior, acknowledging that God raised him from the dead, acknowledge him, him that. Because of that sacrifice, now we have a connection with God uh, through Holy Spirit that is in us. And that Holy Spirit, he gives us the power of these spiritual gifts. So when we look at today's teaching of uh, on pastor, gifts of pastoring and teaching, we find those in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. And it kind of lists all of them, so I'm just going to read through last week's and, and today's. It was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers. And why did the Holy Spirit give us this thing? Why did God give us this thing? To prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. That That is an important part to, to acknowledge that the reason that we have these gifts, not for us and for us too, to be something special, but uh, we have these gifts So that way we can empower the body of Christ to go and minister and do what the will of God is for, for them, what God put on their hearts. Uh, so we're there to, to be, uh, the pastors and teachers, not to just keep them in our church. We're there to send them out to minister. So, so that's why those, these, uh, gifts of apostleship evangelism, prophet teaching and uh, preaching or to be a pastor, I'm sorry, not pre- preaching, but to be a pastor are so important because they are there to put, put by God to send out the church, to equip the church to, to be sent out. Um, in the Acts verse 20, 28, it says, keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseer. Be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. When we talk about pastor, uh, that's a Latin word pastor it means shepherd in the in the Ephesians chapter 4 verse 11 when they use that word pastor it's actually poimen and it means it's a shepherd or an overseer that's all you that's what this title i guess i want to, you would say means so when somebody says that they're a pastor of the church they're there to shepherd the church they're they're, they're there to oversee the church and we're going to talk about three things that Pastors should be doing. We're going to talk about they should be leading the church. They should be feeding the church, and they should be protecting the church. And we're going to talk about uh, why we put those out and how that how that looks like. But those are the, those are the the main parts of of the gift of pastoring is doing those three things. Going back to Acts, uh, the things that they pointed out that one. It's it's the Holy Spirit that made you an overseer. If you're a pastor, the Holy Spirit led you into that position. It's not that you're uh, kind of put, your, put that title on you. If you're a true pastor that is following the Holy Spirit and is following the God's will, it was the Holy Spirit that put you in that position. The second thing it says: Be shepherds of the church of the church of God, which He bought with His own blood we need to remember those who are pastors or those who have the gifts of of pastoring that the people who are under you they're not yours they're god's people jesus brought them by his blood you did nothing like that he you were just led by the holy spirit in a place to be an overseer for them so we, we really need to understand that, that in church, pastors really need to pause and be like, my people, they're not your people. They're God's people that God has granted you grace and mercy to be over, not to be an overburden, but, oh, but being an overseer, somebody who's going to bless and guide and uh, and, like we said, lead and feed and protect not to hurt or anything else and we're going to talk about that later on but that is that is just kind of an introduction for for, for me of what why the gift of pastor and why is it important and what what kind of what it looks like right
1: i think it's important to note that ephesians four eleven is the only unique time in scripture where we retain the latin and the word pastor is used as an officer a title now the the Imagery of a shepherd is used all throughout Scripture. Um, there's an abundance of illustrations. You know, Jesus refers to himself as the Good Shepherd. Uh, the famous, you know, Psalm 23, where the Lord is our shepherd. Uh, there's plenty of imagery uh, of using that occupation to parallel what an overseer should look like for the church. And and the shepherd, the Good Shepherd, lays down his life for the sheep. Not meaning only that he would die for the sheep but that uh, a good pastor is someone who lives among the sheep, dwells among the sheep, um, you know, shares meals, and everything is done for among. the sheep and among the sheep. Mm-hmm. And there isn't that power differential that we see so often today, where yes, the pastor is led into that role by the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit is in the congregation and that affirmation and ordination that a pastor would receive uh, for that calling comes from the members of the church themselves not a self-appointed pastor, not someone who takes an office upon themselves, but someone who is elected into that position, who is chosen by the members of that congregation um, as someone who is an elder, someone who has wisdom, someone who can guide them, not just someone who can preach charismatically and who wields an authoritarian um, title. This is not the imagery of a pastor. If you go to 1 Peter 5 verses 2, It says, be shepherds of God's flocks, of God's flock that is under your care, serving as overseers, not because you must, but because you are willing as God wants you to be. Not greedy for money, but eager to serve, not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And so we see here a contrast of what we see with so many pastors today and just drawing out the fact that the word pastor simply meant shepherd. And really the imagery throughout the, if we want to paint a picture of the office and what the office's expectation was, we really look at the definition of an elder or an overseer for that role, Uh, rather than separating out and saying, you know, pastors are X, Y, and Z. We really see that scripture affirms what an elder should look like. What are the requirements for an elder? What are the requirements for an overseer? uh, And that this shepherd would not be greedy for money uh, would not lord over their flock, uh, but would be an example. And so we realize that, again, as you were saying, that the flock belongs to God. They don't belong to the pastor. The flock is the sheep of, you know, we're just entrusted as pastors to care for the flock. But we ourselves, at the end of the day, we're sheep ourselves. So yep. we yep. we can't lord it over anyone. Uh, but I love it says here in verse 4, this is still in First Peter chapter 5, when the chief shepherd appears, And I love that. It's like, you're just a little shepherd. This Mm -hmm. is the chief shepherd appears. You will receive a crown of glory that will never fade away. And so you lay down your life for the flock and you dedicate your life sacrificially to making sure that they reach maturity, that they're protected, that they're fed, that they're led and guided um, in the Christian journey and through discipleship. But at the end of it, there's a reward that will be reaped. And again, this is not the imagery that this is God's anointed who is the congregation is there to serve and to wait on and you can't speak against them and you can't, there is no accountability. This power differential that we have seen in so many churches, that's really endemic. It's not the biblical imagery that the pastor is called to serve and support um, to come alongside and to serve. As I said, not for the members to serve the pastor, but for the pastor to serve just as Jesus did not come uh, to be served, but to serve.
0: Yeah, again, if we, if we ever confuse ourselves of what a pastor should look like or a shepherd to look like, we need to look at the life of Jesus uh, from the beginning to the end. If, if you're really confused how a, a pastor should look like, just read the gospel. Read all, all, all of them, all four of them. That's what an image of pastor is. I love when Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. He's not he's not putting anything. He's putting them on the same level as he is, that I'm here just trying to be like Christ. And I want you to be here just to follow Christ, just be like Jesus. So that, that's kind of the main calling. Um, you see what Jesus does to the gospel. And that's why he's the great shepherd, because at the end of the day, he does lay down his life. Right.
1: What, um, what does he do when he realizes that all authority has been given to him? He puts on an apron and he washes their feet. And it's just beautiful imagery yeah. of he's he's about to be betrayed. He's about to lose his life. And yet his one final act is that he serves and he cleanses and he cares for his disciples. Yeah,
0: that, that, that's beautiful. So the lead, feed, and, and protect kind of things, just wanted to go through really quickly. I think we covered the important part, but lead, what? I love going to the old testament in Jeremiah chapter three, verse fifteen. Uh it says this is God speaking, de- declaring, Then I will give you shepherds after my own heart. Shepherds after not not after
1: not Cain, after your Luna, money, not says, after all fortune.
0: that stuff, right? After my own heart, who will lead you with knowledge and understanding. Mm-hmm. What knowledge do they have? They knowledge that God has given it, understanding that god has given them so there the shepherds are put in in our in in the churches to lead in knowledge and understanding of who god really is that's 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 the important
1: but it's also important to understand that if you if you know anything about about the occupation of shepherds there were multiple shepherds that usually oversaw a flock Mm -hmm. and so this idea that there's one individual is in charge of everything that's not the image so when we talk about how a pastor is meant to lead there is a group of elders a group of overseers a group of godly leaders and discerning men and women who could serve as pastors uh, which again we're not going to get into that right now but Mm -hmm. even back in jesus day there were female shepherds so it was just understood when you said shepherding that women were not excluded from the full anointing of the holy spirit but when we, when we look at the, the second aspect of uh, what a pastor is meant to do, a pastor is meant to feed. In other words, you share and you preach and you proclaim the word of God. And one of the illustrations where we see this is that Peter was, was called to be a shepherd of the church uh, upon Jesus' resurrection. He reinstates Peter and he what does he say? He says to him three times, You know, Lord, do you, and Jesus says, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And Peter says, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he says, Feed my lambs. And then he says again, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me? Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, Take care of my sheep. The third time he says, Do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, Do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, Feed my sheep. And so this is. Just really driving home the primary importance, Peter as the head of the church at this point, who would have been seen as an elder and as an overseer, which is why when I read in first Peter chapter five, Peter himself is talking about as a fellow elder is how he actually starts the chapter. Mm-hmm. So he saw himself as a pastor, as a shepherd, as an overseer, uh, again, using these terms interchangeably. And the primary role was not even necessarily the leading part, but it was feeding the sheep. Making sure that the gospel was being proclaimed, making sure that the word of truth was being rightly divided and being taught so that the disciples could come to full maturity in Christ Jesus.
0: And, uh, and uh, on the regular point, feed my sheep. You, you know, you got people who are hungry in your church, feed them, take care of their needs. On a practical physical very, very level, practical, like, yeah, they physical fed level. the widows, they fed exactly. the orphans. That's what I was thinking when, we're, when you were talking about that. Yeah, they, they took take care take care of each other. Who's who, who has needs? Feed them. <laughs> You're hungry? Feed them. Uh, feeding on five thousand. Jesus, send them send them away. Uh, I'll feed them. You guys feed them. Go ahead, feed them. How can we do that? I got you. Right. right. He 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 blessed them with their spiritual food by preaching or preaching uh, the sermon. But then he also fed them with food. That's right. an
1: important point. I think as pastors we overlook and sometimes only think about the spiritual component, but really people bring their whole selves to church. Mm -hmm. And uh, in order to be a good pastor, to be a good shepherd and to have a healthy congregation, we have to recognize that people do bring their whole selves, the physical, emotional, spiritual. So making sure that there's resources emotionally for people who are struggling maybe with trauma or have some mental health issues, physically, those who are financially struggling, who may not have, uh, what they need to be healthy and strong, mm-hmm. and then also, of course, making sure spiritually, but really caring for the whole individual as a pastor absolutely. and seeing—I mean, Jesus, right? This this whole reinstatement of Peter—I hadn't thought of it this way before until you said it. But he—it's right after Jesus cooked some fish <laughs> and they they had just eaten. So, in other words, he's do as do as I mm-hmm. have done for you. I've provided for you not only spiritual food but also physical and emotional as well.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the last one is to protect. Um, I think this verse is, is kind of twofold. It's John chapter 10, verse 11 through 13, and Jesus speaking here, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the, for the sheep. And we have quoted this <laughs> through this whole th- time. Uh, you sacrifice as a, as a shepherd, as an overseer, you sacrifice for your people the sacrifice for the people that God has put it. Jesus shows that I laid down my life for my sheep and he did. And that's an important part. We as shepherds, we're not, we shouldn't be calling the church to lay everything down for us. right? It's the other way around. We have to lay down our pride. We have to lay down our needs and our wants um, so that our church is healthy. The body of Christ is healthy. Now verses twelve through thirteen, they, he's he's kind of turning the table here. It says the hired hand is not the shepherd who owns the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. Like he he kind of, I feel like he kind of changes like, country contracts. Is it, is it? Contrast. Contrast, thank you. Mm-hmm. Contrast the two people, the two shepherds or overseers. The one who are led by the holy by the Holy Spirit to be the shepherd shepherding of the body of Christ, and they'll do anything for that body of Christ. And then there's people who are just hired. They're they're just sorry to say for the money. So when mm-hmm. things happen, they're like they abandoned. I, they abandoned. Like, well, I made my money. I gotta go. They're not gonna sacrifice what what they have for it. So it's just got to be very important that. Uh, when you are acting in the in the gift of shepherding that you're doing it because of the Holy Spirit and that you're not doing it because you want to make money or fame or whatever else right
1: so we wanted with each of these gifts to try to give an example and one of the examples of a pastor we obviously already shared Peter, but we wanted to look at uh, Timothy where Paul talks to Timothy and admonishes him what are the expectations of someone who's a pastor and in first timothy chapter 4 verses 11 through 14 it says command and teach these things do not let anyone look down on you because you are young but set an example for the believers in speech and life and love in faith and purity until i come devote yourself to the public reading of scripture to preaching and to teaching do not neglect your gift which was given to you through a prophetic message when the body of elders laid their hands on you so again we see this affirmation of timothy as a pastor not necessarily based on his age but into the office of an elder or overseer because he was able to set an example in speech in life and love and in faith and impurity uh, he had been discipled by paul and was able to shepherd um, even though he was probably still rather young but he was affirmed in his calling through the elders of the church through laying hands and through mm-hmm. a prophetic word so we see again that he's not self-appointed uh, but he's someone who has been entrusted by the congregation to lead and and it says here very specifically some of the tasks the public reading of scripture preaching and teaching but we don't want to get totally focused on that's not the only job of a pastor is just to charismatically preach well it's again this whole life journey of discipleship Making sure that false teaching doesn't creep in, making sure that that there's active service, that the body of Christ is being built up, and these are all important facets of what it means to be a pastor, not exclusively just that someone can speak really well.
0: Yeah, and uh, the last the last thing we want to finish up on the on the pastoring gift of pastoring and being a shepherd is a warning. Uh, in Ezekiel uh, verse thirty four, there's a very um, Serious warning to the shepherds that not doing what God called them to do so I'm just going to read through it I'm not I'm, I don't want to get too much into it because it's it's the word speaks for itself Starting in verse 1 of chapter 34 the word of the Lord came to me. This is Ezekiel Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel prophesy and say to them This is what the sovereign Lord says and just an FYI in case you're wondering they're not he's not actually prophesying against the shepherds who are tending the cattle and the the sheep he's talking about the leaders and the teachers uh, of Israel. This is what the sovereign Lord says, woe to the shepherds of Israel who only take care of themselves. Should not shepherds take care of the flock? You eat the curds, clothe yourself with the wool and slaughter the choice animals, but you do not take care of the flock. You have not strengthened the weak or healed the sick or bound up the injured. You have not brought back the strays or searched for the lost. You have ruled them harshly and brutally so they were scattered because there were no there was no shepherd and when they were scattered they became food for all the wild animals my sheep wandered over all the mountains and on every high hill they were scattered over the whole earth and no one searched or looked for them therefore you shepherds hear the word of the lord as surely as i live declare the sovereign lord because my flo- flock lacks the shepherd And so has been plundered and has become food for all the wild animals. And because my shepherd did not search for my flock, but cared for themselves rather than for my flock. Therefore, shepherd, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says. I am against the shepherd and I will hold them accountable for my flock. I will remove them from the tending the flock so that the sheep herds can no longer feed themselves. I will rescue my flock from their mouth and will no longer be food. For them so it's there's so many points there that it's talking about and again the 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 conversation is is very much (laughs) the the visual is of a shepherd and a sheep but it's so much more that he's talking about the people of Israel he's talking about how they're lost that they're being used. They're hurt and nobody's taking care of them. They're lost, they're walking around, there's other people they're attacking. We see this in the body of Christ where people are walking around who are hurt in the church, but nobody takes care of them. They leave the church and instead of the, the shepherds coming, the pa- uh, pastors coming over them and bringing them back with, with gentleness and care, they're they're just being released and gets confused and being attacked by the devil.
1: And how many Christians are walking around with church hurt because of abuse and power? This is something that's just so, it's so evident in the church today because we have this upset and balance of power. And people are so busy arguing about whether or not, for example, a woman should be a pastor, uh, which we'll just note here, I already made a statement of where we stand as a congregation and our denomination has done some thorough research about women in leadership and the overarching testimony of scripture affirming women in all aspects and all the spiritual gifts, including the gift of pastorship. Um, I want to give some context. And, you know, we read from 1 Timothy, and Timothy was leading and pastoring in a city where the cult of Artemis was uh, key, front and center. And the cult of Artemis taught that women were superior to men uh, rather than being even equals. And the church was revolutionary in allowing women to participate in worship and allowing women to prophesy and pray and fully participate as active members of the church, uh, being deacons and, and in other things. And it's been taught that uh, the, the cult of Artemis was creeping into the church. And so you look at these verses in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 11 and 12, which is so often kind of the platform for why women should be excluded from both of these gifts in preaching and teaching, or that women are relegated only to teaching children or teaching women rather than being able to use their gift to edify the entire church, you have to look at the scripture in its context. And the context was such that false teaching was creeping in that the women were actually dominating over the men, that there was a false teaching coming in that women were superior to men rather than even being seen as there is no longer Jew nor Gentile, slave nor free, male nor female, but we are all one in Christ Jesus. And so, in order to quell, you know, to, to squelch that false teaching, Paul admonishes Timothy um, that there was this unique setting. This is not the overarching met- message of the church, nor even of Paul. It's an exclusive, isolated uh, teaching that he he brings forth. And even this verb, it says, "I do not permit a woman to teach or have authority over a man. She must be silent." That's a pretty extreme uh scripture that again we don't see we see him saying you know he's so thankful for priscilla and Aquila. he even in second timothy he actually sends message because priscilla and Aquila were in ephesus teaching so priscilla taught apollos we have well-documented uh showings of women being in leadership being church planters hosting churches in their homes uh being like junia who was an apostle among the apostles and, and this teaching isn't going to be about that we have separate teachings that are about that exclusively but we spend so much time arguing about this facet that we have pastors who are in place who are abusing power and people are leaving the church because the pastors who are in place are not fit to pastor, whether male or female. Mm-hmm. They see themselves and lord it over the sheep. And rather than caring for the sheep, they use the church in order to build up their own kingdoms. And this is a travesty. And I, and I believe that God looks at the church today and just as he did in Ezekiel 34, he's, he's looking at his church and calling for the shepherds to get their themselves together and to lay down their life for the sheep the way Christ did for the church.
0: Yeah, because there's going to be accountability. But the, the sad part, the shepherds are going to be accountable. But at the same time, the sheep is being hurt, is being killed, uh, is being led away from the truth.
1: Right. And he wants his sheep. This is in Ezekiel 34. He, God will shepherd his flock with justice and eventually at the end of the day God will bring justice even within the church he's going to start with the church actually before you know we we pray for the lord to come but he's he's going to start his judgment with the church first and so we need to make sure that we have this this right and we understand that the leadership is there to serve rather than to be served
0: amen so th- that's a lot of a lot of information on uh Pastoring and there's so much more scripture out there. If you if you really feel like that you have a gift of pastoring, and God is leading you, the Holy Spirit is leading you to start pastoring in your church or pastoring a church of your own. Please pray about it because there's a lot of a lot of things and accountability there. To
1: be held to a higher standard. Yeah,
0: definitely. And uh, speaking of that one, we want to switch into the gift of teaching, and I want to start the gift of teaching because this is the verse that. Spoke to me at the beginning of my walk with with God very strongly where I was like, I don't think I want to teach (laughs) the scriptures because James chapter three, verse one says, not many of you should presume to be teachers, my brothers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. That is a, that is a big responsibility It's a big responsibility. If you lead, if you teach the doctrine in the wrong way, if you teach the gospel in the wrong way, you are literally will lead people to hell. If you start teaching, that's why there's such a huge accountability. You will be judged more because the power and the, it talks about this chapter talks about the power of tongue, right? With your word, you can bring people closer to God or or lead them away so this teaching position the the gift of teaching we should not be like oh yeah I'm going to teach the gospel I'm going to teach the bible slow down is this through the holy spirit or is it because you took a class in theology and now you think you're all that in the bag of chips you're an expert exactly there's got to be a conviction there's got to be something going for, for in you to be a teacher. There is, it's got to be, it's got to be led by the Holy Spirit. And we, uh, just a really quick, there's a difference between a pastor and a teacher. A pastor will probably have the gift of teaching with them. Uh, but a teacher is, is there to teach. They're, they're there to uh, help the body of Christ to get, understand the, the scriptures better. Right. Was, so
1: most likely, a pastor will have the gift of teaching. Should have the gift of teaching, but not all teachers have the gift of pastoring. Is yeah,
0: that, that, that's, yeah, that's what I'm trying, yeah. <laughs> trying to say. But there could be teachers who are pastors.
1: It it can definitely has an overlap, but we that's why I said I, we don't want to pigeonhole and and even fleshing out, which we'll will make a note on between preaching and teaching. Uh, even in th- that, in scripture, is differentiated as two different gifts, and a lot of pastors today might even have the gift of preaching but they don't necessarily have the gift of teaching which Mm -hmm. is what we should be looking for because preaching is the calling of an evangelist but teaching is really what a pastor is called to do yeah Uh, but one of the things just as you were saying you know the warning in James should be taken to heart the flip side in Hebrews chapter 5 says we have much to say about this but it is hard to explain because you are slow to learn verse 12 Mm -hmm. in fact by this time you ought to be teachers but you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Uh, Anyone who lives on milk being still an infant is not acquainted with teaching about righteousness, but solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. And I just think this is important to kind of bookend because the same way some people rush into teaching when they really are not qualified to teach and don't have the gift of teaching, uh, but they want that position, the flip side is that very often some of the best teachers and those who are called to teach, they realize the weight of the calling and they they're scared to venture into it. And so they may have been walking with the Lord and they have been they are just rooted and grounded in the truth. And they should be teaching by now, but they're scared for whatever reason to step into that. Um, and so we we have to make sure that we step out into the calling when we realize that God has given us that spiritual gift. So while we shouldn't rush to be teachers, we also, if, if the time has come for us to teach, we need to step out and walk into that gift Yeah, I'd and love. not be stuck on milk. And when it's time for the church right now, so much of what's being taught in the church is milk. And the, the members of the church, the flock is, we said, hungry. feed my sheep. They're hungry for solid food because yeah. milk is, you know, when, when our son was little, I remember by the time he was just a few months old, the milk didn't satisfy him anymore. He was, he needed solid food. In order to satiate his cravings and his hunger and that's what the church is facing right now is that so many of us are fat off of just milk uh, and we really just need solid food to strengthen us and edify us to maturity
0: yeah yeah it's that again we need to be led by the holy spirit into the position that we are Uh, so many times people are converted and just because uh, of who they are their personality they, they become small group leaders who are teaching other people and they just been saved in the scripture for the past month or two, but they get thrown in because of their character instead their of their knowledge or calling by God. Um, just before we get into more scripture, just the characteristics of, of a teacher. First of all, they just need to love the word of God. It's, it's just something, if you're a teacher, you're going to geek out on just reading the word of God, getting into commentaries, getting into the history of where the scripture is talking about, you're just gonna eat, breathe. Like Jesus said,
1: <laughs>
0: I I don't live on bread alone, but <laughs> every word that comes, that's for me, I can sit here and I can read the scripture and I can get into scripture. And when my wife and I starts talking about the scripture, it's just every, the time kind of gets erased. You just gotta love the word of God. The other thing is you love to, to see other people, Fall in love with the Word of God. You love to disciple people. You love when people read the Scripture and it comes alive to them, and you see that in their lives uh, how how beautiful it is, right? It's they're not just reading the Word, but they're they're not only hearers but doers of the Word. You get excited about that. Uh, you love to see Jesus through the whole Bible. You're not just like stuck in like, well, this is the Gospel. This is the New Testament. No, let's go into Genesis. Jesus was in the Genesis. Genesis was in Exodus. He was in Deuteronomy. And he was everywhere through the Word. You just, you just
1: all of Scripture. All the Scripture
0: to points to Him. You love, you love the truth of the Word of God, and you, w- when you speak the truth, you speak it in love. You don't speak it with condemnation. You speak it in love, and whatever Scripture there, are. and there are some lots of Scripture we just read from. Uh, from a couple of them, there there was a whole lot of accountability happening. But it's still with love. It's always guided back to God. And they love to share the scripture. You have an opportunity. You know, you're a, t- a, t- a person is a teacher. When you talk to them, and they're like, well, let me tell you about scripture. Let me share this. Let, you know, they're just the the verses comes out of them. You know, it's the Shema. It's going back to the Deuteronomy. When I walk, when I wake up and when I lie down, when I when I walk outside, when I sit with my children, the word of God is just on my lips at all times. That's a teacher that that's 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 kind of for me is the characteristics of a teacher
1: So 2nd Timothy chapter 2 uh, Verse 15 Says do your best to present yourself to God as one approved a workman who does not need to be ashamed and correctly handles the word of truth mm. So one of the key things of, of a teacher is the fact that they correctly handle the word of truth and 2nd Timothy three sixteen. says Says this that all scripture is God-breathed. This is what you were saying Mm -hmm. that in Genesis Exodus Deuteronomy that you see The the Holy Spirit working and moving and the prophetic Leaning towards the gospel uh, that we see fulfilled in Christ Jesus that all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching rebuking Correcting and training in righteousness so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work so we we see that the scripture the word of truth must be rightly divided and that you have to be rooted and grounded in the word if you're going to teach. You don't just teach your opinion, you don't teach anecdotes, you don't teach self-help. You teach the word of God. Mm-hmm. And the word of God should be the foundation of every point of every message mm-hmm. of your entire vocation as a as a teacher and as a minister of the word of God.
0: And it's filled with the scriptures. Again, like you said, stop filling filling your teaching with your opinion. Where where does I I love the where the covenant stands is that, that where is it written where is it written? Where is it written? Don't make give me an opinion. Where is it written? So if I'm gonna teach I'm gonna teach from the word of word of God because that's where the truth lays. That's where the the power lays the word. In the beginning was the word.
1: Right. And the warning against this continues in, in Second Timothy, but this is chapter four. It says in verse two preach the word, be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage. And I think these are important. When you teach and preach, you don't just teach information, but your your teaching is persuasive to lead people to correct aspects of their life where there there should be transformation that's happening. Mm -hmm. It's not just information that's being transferred, but people's lives should be changed. They should feel rebuked. they should feel encouraged. There should be something that is motivated to action um, through the teaching, through the preaching, with great patience and careful instruction, it says, and this is the warning in verse three, for the time will come when men will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears wanna hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. And this is such a sobering message because we live in the information age. There has Mm -hmm. never been access to more teachers and more preachers and more self-help and more, you know theology and more doctrine that's out there and it's hard to see what is the truth and what is biblical doctrine what is sound teaching we have to test everything according to the word of God ourselves we should never take a teaching or preaching at face value and just openly accept it wholeheartedly mm-hmm. we should always be testing it according to the word ourselves and and prayerfully discern by the power of the holy spirit what is true and what is not we live in an age where this can is is absolutely coming to fulfillment where we have a great number of teachers who will tell you whatever you want to hear. And so you have to be careful that you're not just listening to things that make you feel good, but you're listening to those things that do correct you, that do rebuke you, that do call you to further repentance and holiness and righteousness in your life, not just things that make you feel better about yourself.
0: Yeah, 2 Timothy 3.16, when you read it, that that's what it says. It never said the Word of God is used for making Self-help. you feel better. <laughs> right. It says for re- rebuking, correcting training in righteousness, righteousness. Yep. exactly so the, that's what we need to know and that's why we need teachers in the church through teachers in the church because the one of the things that the teacher is there for is to correct the doctrine they're going to be the one to call out "Hey, that's that's out of context you're using the scripture way out of context that's why we need those teachers that kind of dive in and know the truth that maybe Uh, somebody who's going to come in and say like, well, this is what I heard, or this is, let me pick this verse and this sentence, this word out, and this is what it means. I'm going to preach a half an hour sermon about it. And the teacher, true teacher who are gifted by the Holy Spirit, be like, no, that's out of context. You're using scripture for evil, which it happens. I mean, when Jesus gets, gets tempted, the devil uses the scripture against him. He reminds, and the Jesus attacks back, not attacks, but defends defends back with the scripture that is true. And that's, as a teachers, that's what we have to do.
1: Because it is very possible to teach and preach and proof text, you know, according to what your opinion is. Mm -hmm. You can, you know, Google search and find a scripture that will support any ridiculous idea. And if you just hear that someone is quoting a scripture without looking at it in context, as I was sharing even about, you know, the scripture that Paul is talking to timothy knowing the culture knowing the context knowing you know the the original intent of the message Mm -hmm. if we just cherry pick scriptures and use them to support our own ideas that's dangerous territory and but it happens all the time and so when you're taking in this information you have to be discerning about what you take in and check everything according to the word of god and i know we've been using preaching and teaching very interchangeably but they are they are different uh you know, the, the word for preaching is caruso, which is to proclaim or announce the gospel. And we, we see this is really prolific. Most churches, when you go on a Sunday, you hear preaching. But preaching is primarily actually directed towards the unchurched, towards nonbelievers. It was the work of an evangelist that would preach the word and announce the good news that would caruso the, the good news, because it was designed to announce or proclaim the gospel message. And that's very important. But when we gather on Sundays, we're primarily gathering as believers. And one of the reasons why some so many churches are anemic and they're struggling so much is that you have people who have been in church 10, 20 years, and they just keep hearing, which is amazing to hear the gospel message, but you're hearing the same message Sunday after Sunday after Sunday. And it's just that spiritual milk rather than the food, the, the heavy, hard teaching Uh, getting into the meat and potatoes of Christianity that that transforms your life from the inside out and brings you to maturity, which comes from the teaching. So teaching is an important gift that we should not be overlooking in the church. And we need to differentiate between preaching the good news, which is important, but is primarily directed towards those who are not saved versus teaching, which is how you make disciples. You Mm. make and deepen disciples through the teaching of the word of God, where you break the word of God down into manageable parts where you you take uh theological concepts that may be deep or abstract and you make them understandable and practical so that the word of god is not just something a lofty idea that you have some knowledge about but is is rightly divided so that it guides and directs every facet of your life from the moment you get up to the minute you go to work to the moment you come home the moment you're eating your meals when you lay down at night it as you said it should be directing everything but if you don't have solid teaching, then you don't know how this this ancient text should be living and active and affecting and influencing your daily decisions in your life today.
0: Yeah, it's a a Timothy chapter four that you read. It it, it says, uh, when you correct, rebuke, and and encourage with great patience and careful instruction, you need careful instruction when you're teaching. I don't want to use big words, theological seminary words. I want to be able to explain it so that people can walk away from hearing the scripture and know how their life should be changed by that scripture. There's gotta be that teaching, you know, like preaching is wonderful, but at least for me, my, my, my conviction is the church is for the believers. You that's why we instruct the pastors instruct the, the members to go and minister and you, share the gospel, and then the people come back and learn more.
1: Everyone is sent out to go and preach. Yeah. But few are actually called to teach, teach. and build up the body of Christ.
0: Amen. And that that's, thats I think, what, what God wants us uh, to have in the body of Christ. And that's why he has gifted um, those um, officer position and those gifts.
1: And I think it's interesting that preaching is not listed as one of the spiritual gifts because we're all intended to do it. But teaching very much is a specific calling and gifting through the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen.
0: Thank you for spending time with us during this episode. We pray that this teaching blessed you and brought you closer to understanding God. If you'd like to contact us, please email us at 4 242 at gmail.com. Until next time, know you are loved and covered in prayer.